Mumbai is known as the city of dreams. Here no work is small or big. Every single person, be it a student or businessman, is always on the go, always busy. The more time you spend in this city, the more the city grows on you. It's not just the culture of Mumbai that influences you, but it's also the open spaces that you go to influences. Be it hanging around in Marine Drive or exploring the gateway of India or just hanging around in the RA colony, you would love to come there a countless times. But as the time is passing, you can see these democratic places reducing day by day. Welcome to Being the Change, a podcast where people passionate about their cause share their experiences and talk about what it takes to be the change. I'm your host Rohan Thakar and to answer some important questions about the ecology and understanding the city better, I have with me Mr. P.K. Das, who is a social activist, a city planner and a firm believer of open spaces. In fact, a lot of places which I have mentioned have been designed and developed by Mr. Das. So let's chat with him and understand more about this city. Welcome to the show, Mr. Das. Thank uh, you. How are you doing today? Good. So when was the first time did you come to Mumbai? I came in 1972. Wow. That's the year when I came to join, uh, take admission to mm-hmm. Sir JJ College of Architecture mm-hmm. to study uh, architecture. Wow. So yeah. which is your favorite place in Mumbai? All of it. It's it's a very fascinating city. Mm-hmm. It's been my workshop. It's it's been my laboratory of my work, my experiments, my thoughts. Yeah. So it's hard to distinguish which is my favorite place. Uh, Wonderful. So a quick fact is that uh, a lot of the favorite places that we visit to has been developed by Mr. Das. <laughs> like uh, the promenade on the Carter Road, the Landsend, uh, the Bandra Reclamation. So there's a lot of places, open spaces, which we all need, which we all feel open is developed by Mr. Das. And uh, I would directly like to come on the topic that what constitutes a successful city? Well, there's not just one thing that makes a good city or a successful city. Um, There are many, many things. And one of the uh, important aspects of a good city is undoubtedly the quality of its public spaces, Mm -hmm. uh, which include the open spaces of a city. Yes. It's the public spaces that sort of helps nurture and build networks of people. Mm -hmm. And that's most important for its community life, which is what makes a city successful. Mm -hmm. The, the extent and the success of community life is truly a mark of a good city. Yes. And it, it's in that context that public spaces and open spaces in particular, uh, within the realm of public spaces, becomes important. Now, Mumbai is uh, a city of contradictions of sorts. Uh, <laughs> while it's been a great city, it's been not a very good place to live. Yes. For the fast deteriorating quality of life. Yes. And one of the aspects which has been contributing to this deteriorating quality of life is really the low quality of open spaces, Hmm. Uh, the quality of public life and public spaces. That has been fast shrinking 
while the city has been expanding and growing rapidly. So that's moved me, that drew my attention. And I've always thought about since the last 35 years of how to work towards expanding public spaces. Wonderful. Uh, not just f physically expanding public spaces, but also uh, expand public spaces in its democratic spirit, mm. which means expand space for interaction, yes. for public dialogue, for a wider public dialogue, for collective engagement. I think that's what essentially is uh, the story of public spaces. Well, and I find this fascinating uh, sort of link between the physical space and the democratic space. Mm -hmm. That the democratic space being space for uh, wider participation, uh, interactions, public engagement, yes. uh, and so and so forth. Yeah, Wonderful. So uh, you came up with something called as Open Mumbai. So what is it and how are you approaching towards it? Uh, that's an exhibition that I sort of put up mm -hmm. uh, in the NGMA many years back, which was really in many ways, I wouldn't say culmination, but uh, at a point of many, many years of my work and experiences with the movement for reclaiming public spaces mm -hmm. and the idea of expanding public spaces. So we called it Open Mumbai because we realized that Mumbai was uh, not being open as it's growing, yes. as it's expanding. The public space was shrinking rapidly, as I yes. mentioned, Yes, that people couldn't as freely express themselves that they couldn't participate in in decisions that affect their daily lives. Yes. Uh, and as the city was shrinking in its democratic space, hmm. we thought it was important uh, to put up this exhibition, uh, which would attract people to rethink on this question of the shrinking democratic space in Mumbai and how this would, in fact, gradually over time begin to threaten uh, the very idea of cities, yes. Uh, the very idea of Mumbai, and so it was an exhibition that put together mm -hmm. many projects, many experiences, many movements pertaining to uh, reclaiming public spaces. Yes, uh, we went through the Juhu Beach redevelopment project. Mm. We went through, and these are, mind you, these yes. are not my projects. These are. Uh, huge collective endeavors where citizens of each area, of each neighborhood yes. have actively participated in reclaiming these spaces Wonderful. and in ensuring and, and struggling to reclaim their rights over their neighborhoods, uh, their rights over space and, and participation in decisions. So the experiences that we gained through the Juhuri Development Project the bandstand uh, uh, seafront project, yeah, yes. the Carter Road seafront project, yes. the Landsend reclamation and cultural uh, and development of a cultural space there, yes. the Gateway of India redevelopment project, the Prabhadevi Dadar beach nourishment mm. plan, and and many such projects to deal with, uh, you know, open spaces that were otherwise open to abuse yes, were right. leftovers. Mm open to vandalism yes, uh, and have virtually been turned as dumping grounds of the city hmm. to which we've turned our backs yes, uh, became the ground of the struggle 
for reclaiming right. public spaces became the reason for waging these movements across neighborhoods in Mumbai right. uh, for a better quality of life, for reclaiming our rights over open spaces, and so and so. So it, that's a big story. It's a story right. that I'm really sure. built upon the experiences and the learnings from these various movements over a span of 25 years wonderful i'm sure so another example is uh, mr afrosha who has been very much actively involved in bringing versova beach back to its glory which was like you said made a dumping ground but constant efforts uh, it made the residents also realize that it's their own place and one should take action towards keeping it clean and uh, restoring it in fact sure i mean afrosha's uh, initiative is yes. commendable undoubtedly and it's necessary that citizens participate in all activity yes uh, but i strongly feel that these are essentially the responsibility of the civic authorities and right. our governments 100% substituting their irresponsibility mm. with our efforts is not an answer in long term yes yeah because the governments would tend to then keep dumping more and more of their responsibility on oh, the to civil, the citizens yes citizens must participate is not the same thing as substituting the responsibilities that governments abdicate yes or substituting the responsibilities that governments carry upon themselves and are responsible for yes so the governments since neoliberal globalization or since 1991 which is the year of liberalization where government of our country pledged its support to neoliberal ideas of development mm-hmm. privatization and corporatization have been abdicating their responsibility yes in undertaking projects of public interest of larger public good yes and these clearly cannot be substituted to citizens interventions so i want to make just that yes i'm sure difference that we must understand yes i was just wondering on my way uh, coming to your office i was just wondering it took two and a half years uh, for um, afros to do what he is doing right now but it took two and a half years for the government also to realize that they need to take some action <laughs> hey, they realized but i don't think they've taken any action so what what I, is the action they've taken so the point here is that while we must force our governments the public action mm, yes is very very significant in influencing governments in decisions that they take that affect our lives yes that's very very significant and in that sense afroj's interventions are an illustrious example are yes. an important example but it shouldn't end there Absolutely. the point is that we must fight for our rights yes and we must ensure that the governments undertake these responsibilities and Absolutely. not citizens i want to mark that difference yes citizens must participate in decisions mm. that would undertake those projects yes most certainly but not necessarily physically engage mm. in implementing those projects right by substituting labor or providing labor for it absolutely so i think there is a subtle difference yes the difference is between rights and philanthropy <laughs> true yeah so another thing which is taking place uh, a lot of people are against cutting down thousands of trees in the are colony and people have done a lot of protest on social media on ground 
मीडिया हैव कम टुगेदर टू फाइट दिस थिंग दैट अ मेट्रो भवन अ मेट्रो कार शेड इज गोइंग टू बी मेड इन आर्य कॉलोनी एंड जस्ट नो यू सेट टूडे इज अड डे फॉर जस्ट अबाउट ए कपल ऑफ आवर्स गो दनरेबल हाई कोर्ट हैज dismissed all the petitions yes uh, filed by various organizations uh, for saving are uh, it it has ruled that are is not a forest mm. if 500000 trees concentrated on a stretch of land with flora fauna yes with wildlife and water bodies do not constitute an idea of a forest then what does yes. is a big question before us so that's that's a sad day today yes uh, but but let's look at this bigger question the larger question really is that how much are we caring about our natural areas mm. and the environment that's the big question are we concerned or are we not concerned mm. are we still going to continue to express to demonstrate our power in overcoming the forces of nature is it under a capacity to do that it's experienced world mm. over we cannot mm. we cannot tame these forces of nature trying to tame it by either constructing sea walls mm. against sea surges or to retain nalas and rivers with concrete walls to check floods mm. are all such measures that are sadistic in character and would never work in fact it's proven that it yes. would increase the vulnerability yes. of floods it would increase the forces that would come back with vengeance like look at this little example in mumbai we mm. throw muck into the sea tons of garbage are pumped into the sea yes. each day in mumbai what happens during the rains what happens everything just throws back <laughs> yes. all of it back onto our shores true right so that's a slap back on our faces it's time that we understand yes that we have to build with nature we have to develop our cities and towns taking into cognizance the forces of nature yes understand the essential character of natural aspects whether they be the mangroves the creeks the salt pan lands the uh, the wetlands the forests yes. you name it hmm. mumbai is rich It's with the extent of natural assets that any city anywhere nowhere in the world enjoys it's very much diverse that we almost 50% of mumbai's area is covered under natural areas and open spaces if mm. mumbai is 480 square kilometers mind you 240 square kilometers approximately is made up of the natural areas mm. and the open spaces of the city we plan for the 240 square kilometers and fight over increasing far mm. to densify our city and build more but we do not plan for the other 240 square kilometers yes we vandalized them mm. we have vandalized them over the years right i'm sure we built rcc walls on either sides of our rivers and creeks and nallas yes we've used the rivers as our dumping grounds people in mumbai didn't know 
that there are four rivers in Mumbai till the 2015 floods. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think now world over there is this growing awareness mm. and consciousness for our environment, for our fragile environment, for the natural areas. And we must provide space for their swell yes. and their expansion as much as we want to expand yes. our built environment. I think both have to grow and striking a balance is extremely important. We have to, we have to build with nature. 100%. Earth belongs to us and to the nature as well. No, but so it's, it's also equal, a myth. Yes. It's also a bluff hmm. that is being perpetrated that there is no land. Yes. So uh, when it comes For to all the demands that we have in our city, whether it's the shortage of housing hmm. or it's the open spaces shortage, that there is no land. That's an outright bluff. We've carried out an extensive survey in mm -hmm. the Open Mumbai effort, which is published. We've done the first mapping of the open spaces of Mumbai right. and the natural areas mm -hmm. of the city. And we find that the land that we have that is developable that 240 square mm -hmm. kilometers that I referred yes. to, yes. if is judiciously utilized, mm. providing access and equity for all, then we have high potential of taking care of all the shortfall that we are quantifying, mm. whether it be in housing or it's in open spaces or amenities for that matter. We've done master planning of Mahada land and of slum land we find adequate opportunity without unsustainable densification mm -hmm. to build, to cover up this shortage in housing that the government is talking about in the affordable category. Yes. So all this is viable without landfilling, mm. without cutting down mangroves, without encroaching upon the salt pan land, without killing our rivers and hills and forests and creeks. So what are the shortcomings that are there right now? Well, it's in the same breath, let me therefore say, with the same argument, let me mm -hmm. say that the Metro Bhavan construction, yes. or the Metro Depot construction mm. rather, mm. in RA yes. is not a good idea. For it is not only infringing into the forest, mm. taking away large tracts of forest land, covered with trees and natural flora fauna yes. and habitation to many wildlife. But it is also more importantly opening up a back door to further construction hmm. over the entire RA forest. Yes. So it is not just about one little corner of RA that is being taken away hmm. for a significant public project that is by way of construction of a metro depot but it's really opening up gradually yes. into this possibility. Mm. And that is the danger. And that is what we need to understand. And that is what we need to fight against or for. Mm. That's the point we need to understand. Right. It's not about one building of the Metro Bhavan that it will not cause damage. Of course, it is a damage. Mm. And of course, it is a big, big step towards a larger damage. Yes. That is the fear and that is the danger. And there is an arg argument where uh, in a place of thousands, tens of thousands of trees, some 2000 trees are being cut. But the situation of Mumbai is that even 2000 trees are cut. So it can cause a lot of damage in no, yeah, the coming time. Well, I just 
like you said i just mentioned mm-hmm. that it's not about 2000 trees it's about the vulnerability of yes. the other 500000 trees in ari yes that's the danger yes the danger of encroachment and further expansion further growth mm. with an excuse of shortage in housing right. and amenities and bettering of quality of life etc in the same breath let me say that any kind of land filling too mm. must now be stopped the idea of the coastal road that was talked about mm. 10 years back i was on a committee of the coastal road mm-hmm. essentially to be working from within turns out to be a bad idea today yes. looking back yes. i would disassociate mm. with that project for it's not about just landfilling a bit it's about opening up doors yes to future dangers mm. of further landfilling and right. further encroachment and further environmental destruction and and destruction not just of the environment but ourselves our mm. cities and our lives that is the deep connection hmm that we must understand right it's like apne pair pe kuladi marna well exactly yes <laughs> now what is the solution that uh, now that high court has said that it's not a forest land and they have well, given I, a green well, signal I'm, but well i'm sure i was listening to some of the television interviews <laughs> of the petitioners and they have said that uh, they would move to the supreme court hmm and i hope better sense prevails and the supreme court sees reason uh, not as an isolated case of mm. an ra and 2000 trees being cut down yes. uh, for the construction of the metro depot for which there are many alternates alternatives and viable options uh, but they understand that this is a critical moment yes where world over climate action is being taken hmm. by vast numbers of people who are threatened of their very existence and their futures and that demand is not for the future but the action ought to be taken now and i hope this better sense prevails and supreme court sees the significance of the of yes. this case and judges otherwise yes like you said it's not just one ra colony but in the country how much ever green spaces or the natural habitat is there it needs to be preserved for the sure. present and the future most certainly yes now coming to uh, the people who are coming to mumbai delhi all the big metropolitan places a lot of stress is there on the city so in this case some people get homes who can afford it but others are staying in slums which are not so good to stay it's also very harmful for them to stay in that places so uh, of course you have done a lot for them through a redevelopment habilitation projects so in this case how are things taking place right now well let me first correct you yes uh, there are no more millions of people coming each day to the city yes there's a huge drop in the ratio of the percentage of migration to the city and it's steadfastly hmm. uh, declining it's it's dropping hmm. over the years over the past 10 12 years so that must be corrected yes. it's wrong to say that you know people are going on coming to the city how do we plan for them hmm to get to your second question let me also say at the same time there is urban stress hmm. roads are indeed congested uh, 
with huge volumes of traffic. There is critical housing uh, situation in which over 6 million people today live in slums in the most miserable of conditions of living. But it's not about the reason, it's not just for the reason that more people have come to this city. Mm. It's because of just one reason that this is happening and that is total failure mm. in government planning for the city. It's the failure in planning that has led to this crisis. Yes. It is not about shortage of land, nor resources, nor opportunities, nor ideas. It is simply because governments have abdicated their responsibility mm. and have stopped planning for our cities. They've relied upon what we call is a knee-jerk reaction development put onto the shoulders of private developers. Mm. Private developers will not cater to public demand and larger public good. They're businessmen. Yes. They will drop private profits. Mm. They're least interested in larger social good and interest, public interest. They will not plan for the city. They will develop their individual projects mm. in conflict with one another. Right. And that's what we see in Mumbai today. There's an anarchy of growth. Right. Mumbai is infested with individualized conflicting projects at cross purposes. Mm. This is what needs to be understood. That allowing individual developers in the free market is detrimental to larger social development interest. As a matter of fact, it undermines larger social development interest. Yes. It's not just detrimental, it actually actively undermines it. And it's high time we understand this. We must understand that it is only the government, it's the government and only the government, a democratic government mm. with active people's participation yes. that can really take the responsibility of developing projects, providing social good, mm. and planning for the city. Right. Planning cannot be undertaken by private agencies who are interested in their business turnovers and profit. So we have to critically, uh, critically look at the path we've taken of privatization and corporatization the path of the free market, leaving it to the market to decide. We've seen that since mm. 90s. Now it's what, over uh, 30 years? 30 years? Has the private sector done any good to the city? It's Has the city gained in amenities, in the quality of open spaces, in the quality of life for most people in the city, in terms of adequate educational and healthcare facility? No. There's huge deficit in spite of large investments in health sector and educational sectors. But those are for exclusive developments. Mm. So what we're doing is we're leading to exclusive developments, building an exclusive city mm. where more and more people fall out yes. and are marginalized. So we're building more and more backyards of neglect, mm. filth, discrimination, exclusion and abuse. We have to check this. Mm. We have to socialize our development objectives. 
and processes. Governments would have to get back onto the drawing board to plan for our cities and undertake, there is single, singly undertake the responsibility of social, mm. of building projects of social interest, of larger public good. Yes. This is the only way forward for the future of Mumbai, for future of the country and any city for that mm -hmm. matter. There's something called a smart city, which has come a lot these days. It's like a buzzword. But that's again built mm. on the idea of privatization. Mm. Government, it, it hasn't yes. taken, uh, it hasn't taken roots. Mm. It hasn't even succeeded in any, any place, right? And there's no budgets for it mm. either. Yes. So what the government's done is plugged on to many of the municipal corporation projects in different cities and towns mm. and announced those projects as being smart cities projects. Yes. It's like a buzzword. So it's just a sort of a clever mm. uh, manipulation uh, of, uh, of these works. Yes. But the idea of the smart cities as privatized enclaves of excellence and exclusive uh, lifestyles and ghettoized hmm. or gated communities, lifestyles, yes. or ideas of gated communities, etc., cannot happen. They will not succeed and cannot be allowed to succeed. Yes. They must be halted. Hmm. If one might see the uh, sea power from an aerial eye, on one side, it's a big. Uh, pompous of development of buildings of everything it's a pompous and on the other side it's a, a steep hill of slums so like you said the gated communities it divides the people well it's polarizing communities hmm. it's polarizing more and more people on various on different in hmm. so many different complex ways yes whether it is on the basis of gender whether it's on caste religion faith you name it Yes. Really, you know, which are beginning to threaten our lives. Our, our, uh, the social tensions are increasing forever because of these various reasons of polarization. And built environment too, over the years, through the construction of these exclusive gated yes. communities, is only contributing to that tension. Mm. And that must be therefore stopped. We must build across boundaries. Yes. We must demolish these boundaries that are built across the landscape of our cities mm -hmm. that has fragmented our cities into conflicting zones. Yes. This must be understood. We have to, we have to unite. We have to unify these fragments if the idea of cities has to prevail as significant democratic spaces mm -hmm. of opportunity, of equality and justice. You had also started something called Nirvana Hak. Can you uh, say more about yeah, it? Yeah, well, the same idea that, that you know, that there is enough land in the city hmm. and that there is enough opportunity to build. Yes. Uh, we have been working the Nirvana Hak Suraksha Samiti, mm -hmm. which is an organization with which I've been uh, associated right from its inception, has been working amongst the slum dwellers of Mumbai. Yes. Uh, for housing rights, for civic rights for rights to health care, education, and so on and so forth, for dignity mm -hmm. uh, and for justice, uh, for human rights, essentially. Yes. But these are all parts of the larger movement for human rights. We have not only rehabilitated the largest numbers of displaced population in the city, but we've also gone further to do master planning of all slums land in the city, mm -hmm. through which we have 
proven, we have, we have demonstrated that we can, we can build ground seven, 10 storied buildings that are sustainable for those who cannot afford these expensive houses mm -hmm. built by the private sector. Yes. So we've done a thorough study and mapping of the slums of Mumbai. We have also argued that if you look at the government owned land in the city, mm -hmm. by way of just two areas, that is the slum land and the land owned by Mahada in Mumbai, yes. which is the single largest state owning agency, mm. single largest uh, single state owning agency with the largest land holding. Yes. You know, Mahada owns around 2,000 hectares of land. Wow, that's huge. And we have nearly 2,500 hectares of land under slums. Mm. So if you add these two and do a macro planning, my, you know, master planning of these lands yes. with sustainable development, we find through our own exercises in Nivarahak, in, which is published in a book mm -hmm. called Chasing the Affordable Dream, co-authored by four different authors, Gurbir Singh, Ritu Diwan, uh, uh, Agarwal and, yes. and myself, um, we, we have, you know, we've actually done a physical planning of these lands right. and we find that construction of just G ground and 10 storied, 8 to 10 storied mm. buildings, mm. we can consume an FSI of three and yet provide all the amenities and open spaces that the town planning regulations demand. Wow. Without, without undermining the quality of life. And we don't have to pursue the kind of individualized uh, plot, individualized slum redevelopment mm, projects mm. that SRA has been promoting, where densities go up to 12, 1300 tenements per hectare, and where there is no open space right. and no amenities other than, you know, uh, these jostling high-rise buildings yeah. you know, where... Uh, people are suffering it's both mentally like a wall yeah yeah I mean there are now studies that show that there is rising TB mm. uh, and other diseases in these rehab projects mm. people are hugely suffering and I've coined a word called congestion trauma which is arising from such redevelopment projects it feels very much claustrophobic and, and the poor are pushed into 22 mm. 23 storied high rise unsustainable buildings mm. where the overheads are extremely high yes and the lack of air ventilation is further adding to the slumification of the city. Mm -hmm. So we need to check the slumification of the city. Yes. And Nivarak has been fighting for that, so, is to find ways of providing sustainable housing development that is not just separate from the rest of the development of the city, but is integral to the city's development plan. Right. It's inclusive. Yeah. So, uh, would you like to tell how the government is supporting or are they supporting? How is it taking well, you forward? Know, we in Nevada Huck and through the many struggles for uh, reclaiming open spaces movements mm -hmm. uh, at various levels have always made it a point that we have to get the government on to, with us yes. and work collectively for the primary responsibility rests on the government. Yes. And we have to force our governments to take that responsibility. So these movements that I cited examples are only to do that, mm. to ensure, to put public pressures yes. on the government to take that responsibility and that it ought to be participatory in which people must engage actively. Yes. Wonderful. So I would like, just like to move. We are witnessing several lines of Mumbai Metro coming up uh, all 
together i think one of the uh, big drawbacks of the current metro plan mm. is really its future expansion potential mm. that it does not have future expansion potential any infrastructure project any transportation project for that matter in particular must be expandable yes uh, we have been suggesting to the government for years now that metro in a dense city like mumbai including in its suburbs mm. which are denser and sometimes even more dense than the city area yes. the the south mumbai area must have underground metro for that does not further contribute to the congestion of the city mm. for it would pollute less not just air pollution but also visual clutter yes and noise pollution uh it would be in long run much more economical mm. even though the capital investments are higher in, in the beginning yes uh for that it could be faced for example mm. rather than being ambitious that all are built at the same time yes. uh with future liabilities that are going to be humongous and the current trauma that every traveler is facing right now that's <laughs> temporary that is temporary that, of that course but can be hmm. to a point understandable that that's temporary yes. and it would go away but certain aspects would not go away hmm. for example we're eating up into the road space yes. which is already very little in the city yes the trunk routes for example hmm. metro can't be running in minor roads hmm. they will obviously consume a uh, space from the major roads yes and that would be that's not a good idea but i think the bigger thing about the metro is its possibility of networking hmm. that means there is interconnection possible which is possible in underground seamlessly yes even today cities like paris and london are continuing to expand hmm. their metro lines to new areas wonderful yet interconnected with seamless travel i think that's the big thing about infrastructure yes and the other big thing of course is let me tell you the suburbs are no more the suburbs as this mm. used to be suburbs when cities like london or new york were built yes far out low density low population places where metro was elevated mm. even in those cities but mumbai suburbs you know that mumbai suburbs have more construction yes have more people living there to do gives more contributes mm. more to the economy of the city yes so people can't be unequal they have equal rights they must enjoy the same metro that the city has underground mm. and our therefore request to the government suggestions has been that they must be all underground for they are all exposed to the same crisis and critical conditions of living so what challenges are there right now well right them. now it's very difficult mm. because the government has gone ahead and building mm. many of them yes. even though most of the construction that we see are limited to the civil work mm. uh, the major capital investments in the rails are yet to come mm. but probably they have been ordered or invested into in advance so i really don't know we have to probably see now how improvements can happen but that's fate complete and that's an example of bad planning yes planning is no. not about this mm. corrections and improvements planning is to bring about structural change and also foresee those changes uh, like we can talk about delhi how it has so well connected uh, gurgaon and noida well delhi delhi is a fine example mm. of the metro system calcutta for that matter yes. is the first city in india that built a beautiful underground metro in the most dense areas of calcutta yes and uh, yes 
They are. Yes. So talking about. They are the future yes. means of public transport. And that will be wonderful because so much of load on the resources, natural resources which are there right now will be diminished or. That yes, that is important. But we do not understand. Our governments have failed to understand mm. that there is something called a visual quality of a city. Yes. An environmental quality of a city. Mm. Aesthetics of a city. Yes. Lifestyles of a city. True. And this underground or elevated metro mm. is detrimental to all those aspects that I talked about. Absolutely. That's the sad story mm. about Mumbai and its future. Yes. As a built environment, as a city mm. that's going to be more and more congested. Yes. So, uh, talking about the expansion of cities, we have seen two very big uh, towns in Mumbai which were villages like uh, I myself witnessed Thane, Dombivali, Kalyan. These are all are a little distant places. But now, uh, like you said, suburbs, a lot of people travel from those places to Mumbai for work. Why is it that the business is not moving there? What challenges well, people are... People travel from these distant places not out of choice. Yes. It's a forced condition. Yes. They travel to Mumbai from these places because there are jobs here. Yes. Uh, well, decentralization, of course, of jobs is important. Mm. The development of the hinterlands, smaller towns are important Yes, in that sense. It also, at this point, I'm, I'm tempted to say that Mumbai cannot keep encroaching to its neighboring towns mm. and turn them into satellites. Or dormitory towns. Yes. That's the fate of New Bombay. Mm. Large parts of New Bombay. That's the fate going to be for Alibad, for example. Yes. Pen, mm. Panvel, Alibad. Heavily witnessed. Yes. When New Bombay got built, they got destroyed of their local economies. Mm. Their potential for expansion and growth got consumed by the needs and demands of the mega city mm. of New Bombay and Bombay. Yes. So I think what we need to talk about is really look at each place, each area with its own inherent mm. strengths and capacities. Yes. And expand them, provide local opportunities and expansion of those economies and a network of these economies and places rather than encroachments into those right. of one or over the other. Mm. And this Mumbai's hunger to expand through flyovers and ceilings to the hinterland would only consume the local economies mm. and displace them and destroy them more and more, then enhance them and yes. help them grow. Yes. So we have to understand this phenomena. So it's very deep and one needs to listen to this couple of times to understand what development is and what the future of <laughs> development is. But I want to know from you what development means to you. What is the perfect developed city? Well, I think development is essentially not material hmm. or material gain. Yes. It's about how much people grow and do well. Hmm. It's human development index, as we call it. Hmm. The measure of human development index that is truly the measure of development. It's people at its center yes. to which I add today environment and ecology. So a sustainable ecology is the cry of the time, hmm. is the demand of the time, is the need of the time. And when I say sustainable ecology of a city, it is both people and nature. Yes. Both constitute ecology. Mm -hmm. 
And we must understand this, for the two are inseparable, or rather they're intricately and intrinsically connected. Yes, yes. And, and that, that relationship cannot be severed. And so we have to aim towards building sustainable ecology of cities. And for that matter, a sustainable ecology for Mumbai. Mm. And we have to build with nature. Yes. And we have to understand that the both would have to carry on together and not separate from one another, mm. not independent of the other. Yes. So do you think cycling to work or cycling to places is possible in Mumbai? Uh, there was a demonstration or an experiment which we can well, say in BKC. Stretch. Well, alternatives are all important. Yes. Do you think it Low is... Low energy mobility, as I mentioned, is extremely important. Hmm. Cycling, walking are very, very important. Indeed, yes. uh, not just for low energy uh, fuel use, but for our own health. Yes. For it exercises our bodies and minds, both walking and cycling. Yes. They're important. But let's not stretch that argument to say that's the only means of transport that no, must no, be pursued. But, uh, we have to mm. have multimodal transport yes. networks that, you know, support each other yes. uh, and substitute each other wherever required. For example, many of the suburban areas or neighborhoods of Mumbai, I would say, not suburb, but neighborhoods could become walk friendly, mm. could become cycle friendly. Yes. We don't have to take a scooter or an auto rickshaw or a taxi hmm. or drive our own cars uh, within a couple of kilometers of area yes. that we have to access now and then, whether it's for our shopping needs or to take our children to school or to healthcare facility or whatever it is. Hmm. These could become walk friendly. Yes. And in that context, we've done a planning for Juhu, what's called the Vision Juhu Plan. Wonderful. Where we are demonstrating that an integrated mm. and comprehensive area planning could truly become the basis of city planning. Mm. We are arguing that neighborhood-based city planning have to be the way to move forward in envisioning our cities. And in Juhu, what we are doing is now recycle, uh, cleaning up the waters of the Nalla, the Irla Nalla, mm -hmm. uh, developing walking and cycling paths on both sides of these Nallas. I we are landscaping that. both the edges mm. and then we are trying to connect the Nala and the landscape and the walking and cycling pathways mm. to the hinterlands of the neighborhood mm. to try and connect up with the other open spaces, gardens yes. and open air and the public spaces of the neighborhood. Whether it's the Juhu Beach or the creeks or the mangroves or the uh, theaters or the cinemas or the marketplaces or the railway stations. Yes. So the networking, networking of these public spaces mm. with, an, with an idea that I talked about of networking public spaces yes. and expanding public spaces through that becomes one of the key objectives. And so Juhu Vision Plan is an experiment, is a demonstration mm. where along the Irlanala mostly about 80-90% of the work has been completed, mm. uh, funds for which have been contributed from the MP lad funds by Javed Akhtar Sahab. Yes. Uh, and the citizens of Juhu have actively worked on this plan and participated in it. So here's an example. We need to re-envision Mumbai through neighborhood-based planning mm. where each neighborhood people participate actively for neighborhood people know best about their area. Yes. 
and that would be truly a democratic way of developing our city in future what do you think what policies should be should be implemented for a sustainable future well these are the policies that i yes. talked about build with nature yes provide space for expansion yes of natural areas and swell of rivers and creeks yes and the water bodies build through uh, planning yes bring back planning participatory planning where and exploit the inherent potential of the city mm. for expansion rather than encroaching yes on more land or neighborhood areas or natural areas to build more thank you so much mr das it was a pleasure talking to you thank you so much for giving your time on the show thank you pleasure wow that was something very much inspirational uh, this is me rohan thank you for giving your time i hope you enjoyed this conversation by the way you can listen to being the change on all the podcasting apps jio savan apple podcast spotify google podcast and so on so forth so do subscribe to being the change so that you get notified when we drop the next episode do drop in your comments on what do you think about this episode which was your favorite part from this episode and do share this episode with your friends to give them also inspiration about starting this is me rohan signing off i will come soon till then bye